And I think that's sort of how the Vanderbeekers came to life in my head when I was walking Ginger Pie and passing by all these brownstones and wondering, you know, like these brownstones look like brownstones that all of a kind family could have run out of. And hmm, I wonder why there are not a lot of big families in New York City. And what would a story look like in New York City with a big family? And so that's how things developed. And if I didn't leave that space in my mind to be creative, I don't think that story would have come out of me. You're listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Sarah McKenzie here with episode 88 of the Read Aloud Revival podcast. Today, I want to introduce you to someone I just met not too long ago, but who I'm certain is going to be discussed here frequently on the Read Aloud Revival. She's one of my new favorite authors. I can't wait to tell you about her new book. It's her first book. It came out last October, so it's not like crazy new, but it's her first book. It's called The Vanderbeekers of 141st Street. It's the story of the Vanderbeeker family, which is a family of seven, a mom, a dad, and five of their kids who live in a brownstone in New York's Harlem. And at the very beginning of the book, the Vanderbeeker family finds out that their rather curmudgeonly grumpy hermit-like landlord, Mr. Biederman, isn't going to renew their lease. And this is devastating to their family. And those five Vanderbeeker siblings band together to try to get him to change his mind. I would recommend this book to anyone who loves The Penderwicks by Jeannie Birdsall. I want to say it's a throwback novel, but it's not because it's set in the present day. (laughs) It's set in present day New York City. It feels like it could be of the same era as, oh, Edward Eager's Half Magic or Elizabeth Enright's The Saturdays or E. Nesbitt's Five Children and It. But it's set in the here and now. So, you know, the parents use smartphones and the Wi-Fi goes out, (laughs) things like that. But the siblings, oh, the sibling relationships are so well done. And each of those sibling characters are really uniquely lovable and wonderful. So I can't recommend this book highly enough. I would hand it to any child, I'd say seven and up that can read on their own or just read it aloud with everyone. In fact, I read it myself over Christmas and then immediately started reading it aloud to all six of my kids. My oldest is 16 and my youngest are four-year-old twins. Everybody's listening. That's how good it is. I was so thrilled with this book that I asked the author if she would come to the Read Aloud Revival to talk about writing it. And she came. (laughs) She's here today. You are in for a treat. Jan Glazer says her proudest accomplishment as a mother is that her kids can't go anywhere without a book. So I think she's going to feel right at home here at the Read Aloud Revival. I just had to have Karina on the podcast after reading her book, The Vanderbeekers of 141st Street, which is one of my new absolute favorite books. If you follow the Read Aloud Revival on Facebook or Instagram, you probably saw a picture of it. I just devoured this book and then couldn't stop talking about it. Actually, I read it myself and then immediately started reading it aloud to my kids. We're going through it again. (laughs) I enjoyed it that much. So it was even a 2017 New York Times notable children's book. 
And Karina has taught and implemented literacy programs in homeless shelters. And she's a contributing editor at Book Riot, where she writes a weekly newsletter called The Kids Are All Right that gives children's book recommendation posts. So you know we're definitely going to ask her for some recommendations while we're on the show today. She lives in Harlem with her husband, her two daughters, and an assortment of rescued animals. Karina, welcome to the Read Aloud Revival. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. You know, I've told you before already (laughs) how much I love this new book. And I'm just certain that Read Aloud Revival listeners are going to love the Vanderbeekers as much as I do. First of all, I mean, we were destined to love the Vanderbeekers because you, the author of the book, have a dog named Ginger Pie, right? And anyone who (laughs) names a pet... Anybody who names a pet after a character in an Eleanor Estes uh, book is considered family around here, I'm thinking. (laughs) That's awesome because not everyone understands the relationship. So sometimes when I tell people our dog's name is Ginger Pie, they are very confused (laughs) and then they wonder if it's a dessert or (laughs) they start calling her apple pie or so. Yeah. So it's nice not to have to explain it. (laughs) That is so funny. And then how old are your daughters now? So one is. Eight and the other one is nine and she'll be 10 next month. Awesome. Okay. And you live in New York. Yes. Which is fabulous because you paint such a vivid picture of Harlem in the Vanderbeekers. In fact, I was telling my husband the same day I read it, it's like the house that the Vanderbeekers live in. And in fact, the whole neighborhood are even more characters in the story. And then I was, I was digging around last night Before our conversation, peeking around to see what else I can find out about your writing, I saw some other people said the same thing. So I think there's that reader experience um, that we all share of experiencing the brownstone house that the Vanderbeeker family lives in and the neighborhood that they live in in Harlem as characters of a story. And that's just... I love that so much. Yeah, that was really fun to write. So actually, in in the beginning when I was writing the story, I wrote a lot more about the brownstone and... I just think it's really fascinating, the history of brownstones in Harlem and, you know, where the materials were mined. And, you know, a lot of these brownstones are very old. Um, A lot of them were built, you know, 100 years ago. And there's a lot of historic areas in Harlem and throughout New York City um, with these, you know, gorgeous brownstones that thankfully have been preserved over the years. And I don't know, just living anywhere, but, you know, because I live here, just walking by those and wondering, you know, what's the history of the people who have lived there? And, you know, the neighborhood has seen so many generations come through it. And it really made me think about the different things that could have happened over time. And when I was brainstorming ideas for the title of the book, I was even thinking about bringing in some kind of language with the brownstone in it as well. So it was definitely in my mind a character. And when I was writing it, you know, the different people who had read it, they all really latched on to those parts of the story where I had written about the brownstone coming to life. And in my mind, I was wondering, is this strange or is this working? And it was nice to get that feedback that it was working and that people wanted even more of that. So it was really fun to experiment with making the brownstone a character and have it react to the children. And I think it also helped build some suspense around why it was so important that the kids stay there because the brownstone loved the family and they loved the brownstone. So it was great. It was a really fun adventure to explore in my writing. And yeah, I had a really good time with it. 
Okay, so this is your first book, right? Is this the first book that you've ever written or is this just the first book that you've ever published? It's the first book I've ever written and the first book I've published. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so and I when I was um, poking around last night, I found out that you wrote the first draft of the Vanderbeekers during NaNoWriMo. So for any listeners who don't know, NaNoWriMo is National Novel Writing Month. And it's basically this movement of people. Anybody can sign up in November. Lots and lots of writers try to write an entire novel in the 30 days of November. And there's just a lot of energy and camaraderie around writers all working really hard toward a very big goal every November. And my daughter actually did NaNoWriMo this last year. My kids have done it on and off over the last years. But I was so inspired when I read that you wrote the first draft during NaNoWriMo because this is an amazing book. And I guess I would have thought there's no possible way it could have come out of such a short period of time. I mean, I know it probably percolated in your mind for a lot longer before that. But I'm actually, I'm going to stop talking and ask you about that. <laughs> so how did that all... <laughs> instead of just theorizing over here. How did that sort of come about? Tell me about the process of creating the Vanderbeeker book. Okay. So the idea to actually write a book didn't really... It was a long time in coming. So I was writing a blog just about our family and just experiences of being a mom and raising kids in New York City. And it was only really shared with my close family as a way to share, you know, because none of my family were, you know, they were living here. So it was a way for me to connect with them and they could read stories about what was going on here and also see pictures of the kids growing up. And my husband's uncle, he was following the blog very closely and it was really sweet because he doesn't read a lot of fiction. His main books of choice are like historical biographies and Cherno and, you know, like those kind of things. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Uh, he would wake up in the morning and he would read the news and then he would, he had saved my blog on his browser so he could check that every day. And he told me that I had no idea. And he told me that when we were visiting him in Chicago one year and he said, I know what you need to do next. And I asked him what his thoughts were. He has a lot of opinions. And he said, you need to write a book. And I just laughed it off. I didn't really think he was being serious. But then he told me he was being serious. He thought he that I really should write a book. And that the next time I saw him, I should have a book ready for him to read. So, Oh, my God. <laughs> and so it just made me think. Because it was around that time that my daughter was, my younger daughter, was starting to go to preschool a few days a week. And it was only for, you know, a few hours. And my other daughter had just started kindergarten. So there was a bit of space in my life that I hadn't had in the previous mm -hmm. few years. And so when I dropped my daughter off at preschool, I would run to this coffee shop and just start dabbling in writing and, you know, work more on my blog and just sort of mess around with short stories in my head. And then I signed up for a writing, like a children's book writing class. And that's when I found out about NaNoWriMo. People were throwing around this word. I had no idea what it was. And so I looked it up and I told my husband, I'm going to do this challenge. And he thought I was completely nuts to do that because, you know, I still had the two kids and we were very busy. But it was a great challenge because it forced me to just write and not self-edit or be self-critical of what I was writing. So I like the way that NaNoWriMo has a philosophy of just write, don't erase anything, don't delete anything. 
just right. And I think that's a really great way for people who get stuck in writing. I know I get stuck when I'm writing something and then I'm like, that's not what I wanted to say, or that's not how I wanted to say it, or the language is not the way I wanted to write it. And I think that can stall us as writers and prevent us from moving forward. So I love how NaNoWriMo just tells you, just go for it and just write 50,000 words. And, you know, it can be messy. That's what revision is for. Just get the story down, get your ideas down. And I completed the challenge and then I did a lot of revision. It took about two years before I was able to get an agent. And after that, after getting an agent, it was very fast to getting an editor. But okay. yeah, it's just, so I thought it was a very helpful challenge because, yeah, that's how I sort of think about writing now, even as I draft other books that I just need to get the story down. I get need to get my thoughts down and it's not going to be good. And a lot of it is going to be revised. And I think about, you know, the first book, The Manor Beakers of 141st Street. And I think probably about 80% of it changed in some way. <laughs> the whole plot changed. Um, okay. Well, the characters yeah. were the same. The The story of the five kids living in a brownstone with parents, that was all the same. But a lot of other things changed. And yeah, so that was my experience with it. I think it's a great challenge. I encourage everyone to try it at least once. So that is so inspiring to me. So you took a children's book writing class. Was that like online or was it somewhere in your local community or... Right. So in New York City, there's a school called Gotham Writing Workshop, I think. And so I went there and took a children's book class. And I think that was about two months or three months. And we met every week. And that's when I learned about sharing my work and not being shy about getting critique. Because I think Mm -hmm. that's another thing that holds writers back is that, you know, we can be so self-critical. And then to get a critique from other people can feel like a like personal you're, attack, kind of right. Exactly, like you know, like you're a failure. <laughs> your writing's yeah. no good, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I learned in that class to not take things personally and to you know, like people will give you critiques, and some of it might be very good, and some of it might be things that you know aren't helpful advice. And it was good to take that class because I could sort of learn how to sift through advice and also learn how to not be afraid of sharing my work. And so now it's been great because now I want a lot of people (laughs) to read my drafts (laughs) and give me feedback. And it's been great because I feel like, you know, when you have a group of people who are supporting you as a writer and supporting your work, that they want the best for you. And, you know, if they have questions about things in your manuscript and other people, other readers will have questions about it as well. So it's, things that you might have not thought about when you're writing it, but it's bringing up questions on other people. And I think it's really good to get that feedback and to respond to it. Well, I guess my next question is, I don't want to spoil anything for our listeners. I don't want to spoil any of the story. Um, but I'm curious to know if you knew where the Vanderbeekers of 141st Street, where that particular story was going when you started. I guess I'm asking if you outlined ahead of time or if you just wrote into it to figure out what was going to happen next. Okay, so... I knew the climax of the story before I started and I knew sort of my main, the main thread about the children. That was pretty much all I had. And I'm not really an outliner. I spent a lot of time thinking about it, but not necessarily creating a solid outline. I think all writers do it 
really differently. Some people can only write if they have a solid outline. And I am more just like a, like I keep a notebook with me at all times. If I have an idea or or if I think of something as I'm walking, I'll write it down. And the story sort of comes, it starts shapes itself over the course of time. And I like to write chronologically. A lot of writers will write different parts at different times and then sort of piece it all together. And I like to write chronologically. So even though I knew what the climax of the story was going to be, I didn't write it until I got to that point. We'll get back to today's episode in just a moment. But I wanted to take a quick minute to make sure you know about the Read Aloud family. This is a new book I wrote just for you. Here's what I know. You will never, ever regret the time you spend reading to your kids. Connecting deeply with our families can be kind of difficult, right? In our really busy and technology-driven world. But reading aloud is one of the best ways to be fully present with our kids even after they can read to themselves. In the new book, The Read Aloud Family, you'll find the inspiration you need to start a read aloud movement in your own home. You'll discover how to prepare your kids for academic success, how to develop their empathy and compassion all through reading aloud. You're going to learn how to find time to read aloud in the midst of your really busy day, school, sports, dinner dishes, all those pressures on your time and attention. And you'll learn how to choose books across a variety of sibling interests and ages. The best part is that you'll Discover how to make reading aloud the very best part of your family's day. The Read Aloud family also offers age-appropriate book lists from infancy all the way through adolescence. So from a toddler's wonder to your teenager's resistance, you're going to discover practical strategies to make reading aloud a meaningful family ritual. The book releases wherever books are sold, March 27th, 2018. But if you order the book before March 27th, you're going to get some extra gifts. And I am so excited. Zondervan let me do this because... I made you a brand new video masterclass to show you how to choose books for your kids. So you know that feeling when you walk into a library or a bookstore, or maybe you're cruising around online or something, and you don't know if a book is worth your time or attention or your child's time and attention? In this video masterclass, you're going to find out exactly which two characteristics make a book worth reading. And you'll find out the three-question test I use to decide if a book deserves a place on my family's reading stack. So order the Read Aloud family before March 27th, 2018 to get a promo code to access that masterclass for free. I am thrilled Zondervan is letting me do that. Go to thereadaloudfamily.com to grab your copy. I can't wait to get it in your hands. When your uncle said you should write a book, and you thought you started to think maybe I maybe I could try that. Did you immediately think middle grade, or did you what what made you land on middle grade? And actually, I should clarify that for our listeners. I think a lot of you know this, but some of you may not. That children's books are sort of divided up into different audiences, right? You have we all know we have like picture books. We have early or easy readers. I mean, for kids who are just learning to read on their own, they're in the chapter book, or I should say, novels for kids. They're often divided into middle grade or YA. And middle grade is often for 8 to 12s. Sometimes it's for 10 and up. And then YA is for teens and or teens and up, I should say. But middle grade oftentimes means for 8 to 12-year-olds or that's the target. Although obviously, I love the Vanderbeekers every bit as much as any 8 or 12-year-old. So how did you land on middle grade? 
Middle grade is my absolute favorite (laughs) type of books to read in general, even as an adult. And I think the reason why is because when I was growing up, I was a voracious reader and I And sort of the point in my life where I started to love reading was around that age, around seven to now. (laughs) So, yeah. uh, Yeah. yeah. So I think middle grade is a great time for kids because they start, you know, learning how to read independently. And also a lot of the books in middle grade are about independence and about kids, you know, trying new things or facing a conflict or solving a problem. And I just love the way that that helps kids to, I know it helped me growing up to sort of examine things in my own life that I could change or ways I wanted to be. And for example, In a Tree Grows in Brooklyn, I love that book. And I think one of the reasons I love that book was because the main character, Francie Nolan, was this huge lover of books. And I remember reading that section about her going to the library and wanting to read all the books in the library. And for me, (laughs) that was just like such an amazing thing to read about this other girl who loved to read just as Mm -hmm. much as I did and who loved to read so much that she wanted to read every single book starting with A in the library. (laughs) And yeah, so it's sort of, I think books, middle grade books taught me about the kind of person I wanted to be. And the even now, like the kind of mother I want to be, the kind of wife I want to be, and how to shape my kids and how to build character. And yeah, so middle grade, it was never a question in my mind that I would write middle grade. I think my uncle was surprised because <laughs> I don't think he, <laughs> he reads children's books at all. So I don't even know if he read my book, but um, <laughs> I mean, he probably did. But yeah, so... That's so good. Middle grade is my favorite too. And it's what I would default. I mean, no matter what, if there was a shelf of books and someone said, you can pick anything from here to read, spend the rest of the day reading, I would pretty much always choose the middle grade myself. So I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Um, which books did you love most as a child? I loved, I mean, I loved a lot of New York City books. I grew up in Southern California and there's just something about New York City that just seemed so mysterious and exciting to me as a child. Um, I loved a lot of you know, those classic stories about big families living in New York City. So All of a Kind Family by Sidney Taylor, I loved. And The Saturdays by Elizabeth Enright. I also loved, like I mentioned, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Betty Smith. And I also love stories about sort of quirkier characters. So Anne of Green Gables by L.M. Montgomery was one of my favorites. And I loved a lot of like, you know, books where kids were you know, doing a lot of stuff on their own, like, you know, the little house books where they were (laughs) producing a lot of their food. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so I love that sort of pioneering, pioneering books. That's really fun. So I had a feeling that we were probably inspired by similar authors. You know, when you read a book and you think, okay, this is what I thought when I was reading the Vanderbeekers was anybody who loves the Penderwicks needs to read this book. And then I would read a little bit more and be like, actually, anybody who loves the Penderwicks and Elizabeth Enright should read this book. And then I would keep reading and go, okay, anybody who should read (laughs) (laughs) The Penerix, Elizabeth Enright, or Eleanor Estes should read this book. And so to hear you name those same authors is pretty fun because I could kind of see their influence in your writing, which is really, really neat. Yeah, there's something about those classic stories that are just so timeless. And yeah, and I know that not 
you know, it's not as popular now, those books like The Saturdays or Ginger Pie. At least, you know, what I've heard at libraries is that they don't circulate as much as they used to. Uh, mm-hmm. My kids read them and loved them. And mm-hmm. I read them out loud to them. And then we listened to them on audio. And they still read them now. But I don't know, it was it was fun to sort of modernize it a little bit in the Vanderbeekers and sort of reintroduce those classics. I know in my daughter's school library, they put together a display, you know, of these family stories, which was really exciting to me because it would just make my heart so happy to see other kids read All of a Kind Family or The Saturdays or The Moffats. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, speaking of your daughters, what do they think about mom being a writer? Oh, they are thrilled. They're they're the best (laughs) fan club. They're so sweet about it. When the review copies came, they were just so funny. I have a video of them dancing around with ginger pie, (laughs) holding the book (laughs) and waving it around. It was was just precious. So yeah, they're very excited. And it's really sweet too, because I think I didn't let them read it until the review copy was out because I wanted them to see it as a bound book with a cover and not just a pile of paper. And it was great when it came out in the review copy. I read it to them out loud and they were so happy about it. And then the audiobook also came out the same day the book released and I put it on their iPod and they listened to it at night before they go to sleep. So it's really sweet. I mean, they must have heard it and read it dozens of times by now they can recite parts of it sometimes I'll be talking and then they'll just recite you know Oliver's line or something and it's really yeah, yeah. hilarious to me yeah it's great <laughs> did you did they get pieces of the book but as you were writing it or did they they you said they didn't read the whole thing until it was the review copies came right so I did not let them read any of it although I probably I think they probably looked over my shoulder once in a while when I was writing because they would ask questions like, how old is Oliver? Or, you know, is there one that's yeah. sort of like me? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I think they sort of had an idea of some of the characters. And I think I did tell them a little bit about the plot. But yeah, so I tried to save it until. Yeah. Re- yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. One of the questions kids at Read Aloud Revival always ask our authors when we have them come visit for our author access events is, is there a character in the book that is most like you? So I bet some of our listeners would like to hear that. Right. So I've gotten this question a few times in the past, and I think it changes a little bit. I think growing up, I was a lot like Hyacinth. I was shy, and I also loved to make things. I was really crafty. So... When I was growing up, I was a lot like her. Now, I think I still have aspects of her, but I'm a lot less shy now. And I'm probably more like Issa. Issa is very, I sort of see her as like the family administrator. Like she's very organized and she is good at gathering the kids up and executing things. And so I guess I sort of feel like that right now in my life stage right now with the two kids and just juggling (laughs) everything. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Okay, so before we go, do you have any advice for listeners who are maybe young aspiring writers or maybe parents who are aspiring writers listening and have been inspired by your story as well? Any any best advice for people who want to write? 
Yeah, so I always tell people that the best way to learn how to write is to read really widely. I'm lucky because I get to review children's books for Book Riot and I get to put together this newsletter every week. So I always have a lot of reading material and get a lot of stuff that's really current. So I would suggest that people who want to write more and want to develop their craft, that you would read a lot, that you would read across genres and also to read a lot of things that are published recently, sort of to see what writing is like, how people are writing now versus maybe books that you enjoyed when you were younger, if you're an adult. And also a thing that I try to do frequently is like purposely turn on creativity because I think sometimes all of us were very busy and we have a lot of things to do. And I think kids too, you know, they're busy, they're doing their work and they have sports and music. And sometimes I think that we lose that time to really just focus on being creative and not worrying about what comes out of that. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so I spend a lot of time thinking when I'm walking ginger pie and just sort of letting my mind wander. And I think that's sort of how the Vanderbeekers came to life in my head when I was walking ginger pie and passing by all these brownstones and wondering, you know, like these brownstones look like brownstones that all of a kind family could have run out of. And hmm, I wonder why there are not a lot of big families in New York City. And what would a story look like in New York City with a big family? And so that's how things developed. And if I didn't leave that space in my mind to be creative, I don't think that story would have come out of me. So yeah, so actively pursue that and to just let your mind embrace it and see where it takes you. I love that because you're saying you're, you know, walking your dog and you just start asking questions about the things you're seeing, right? You see the brownstones and you start asking questions and, and that leads to this wonderful story. So I wanted to ask, I almost forgot, I wanted to ask, since you are a writer for Book Riot, and I will put a link in the show notes to anybody who wants to get Karina's newsletter from Book Riot where she gives children's book recommendations. It's called The Kids Are All Right. That comes out every week, right? Yes, every Sunday. Every Sunday. Okay, awesome. And do you have some favorites? You just mentioned um, the importance of reading really widely, including books that are coming out now, because we talked about a lot of classics that we love. But what are some of the books that have come out more recently that you've loved? Can you give us any recommendations there? Yeah, definitely. So there's a series by Louise Erdrich called The Birch Bark House. And she wrote that one a while ago, but she's been continuing the series on. And I think there are five books right now. And I think one of them came out last year. And those are beautiful. They're set during the sort of when the Little House books were set, but it follows a Native American family. And I love those stories. One of my favorites from 2016 or wait, 2017 was See You in the Cosmos by Jack Chang. I thought it was a really creative, beautiful story. The Calpurnia Tate books. I don't know. I love those. Yeah, I love those. (laughs) So they're also a new series following Calpurnia Tate for younger readers. So probably around six to eight year olds. I didn't know that. They're so good. They're illustrated, beautifully illustrated. And they're so they would be illustrated chapter books for younger readers. And I think so far there are three. And they are just so fun. And if you love Calpurnia Tate and her scientific mind, 
It's sort of like when she was younger and it's really sweet. So what's next for you and for the Vanderbeekers? So we have a second book coming out in September and that is called, we haven't formally announced it, I guess, but it is, I noticed it was up on Amazon the other day. <laughs> so I was like, okay. I'd you uh, love that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess I can share it. It's called The Vanderbeekers in the Hidden Garden. Ooh. So I just finished going through First Pass Pages, which is when they lay it out as it's going to be printed and um, working with the copy editor just to make sure grammatically and everything is working well. And I submitted all my final illustrations for that, which feels really good to have that off my plate. And right now I'm drafting the third Vanderbeekers, which hopefully will come out in 2019 if I can <laughs> get it written quickly. And <laughs> yeah, so that's what's going on. And then I have a standalone book that I think is coming out in 2020, another middle grade that has nothing to do with the Vanderbeekers. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I'm working on right now. And just keep going. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Well, I just pre-ordered it as we were talking because oh, <laughs> there's not even a so cover sweet. up yet, but <laughs> I've already got it. So I'm so excited. And I am so excited to see what you do next. I'm really grateful for the time that you took out of your schedule to come chat with us. And listeners will have links to where you can sign up for Karina's newsletter at Book Riot in the show notes, as well as links, of course, to the Vanderbeekers book and to her website. So go to readaloudrevival.com and look for this episode so you can get to those show notes. Karina, thank you so very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. This was great. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. What's your name? Oh. Oaks, how old are you? Two. And where do you live, Oaks? In Leadville. Leadville? Leadville, Colorado. In Leadville, Colorado. And what's your favorite book, Oaks? Construction by Sally Sutton. Construction by Sally Sutton. What do you like about that book? Sounds. You like the sounds? Slip, slap, thud. Yeah, and bang, bang, bong. Bing, bang, bong. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. I am Lily, and I'm six years old, and my favorite book is Old Town in the Green Groves. What's your favorite part? Um, when Grace is born. What is Old Town in the Green Groves? It's a little house book that Laura didn't write. I'm Adeline, and I'm Tia. No, you're not three. How old are you? I'm you just had a birthday. Four. You're four. What's your favorite book? The Princess and the Peace and the Carrot. What's your favorite part? Because Princess is painful. She When she pushes her plate away? Yeah. Why is that your favorite? Because it's silly. It's silly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hi, I'm Lily, and I'm six years old, and I'm from Dallas, Texas. And what's your favorite book? Um, Old Town in the Green Groves. It's a part of the Little House series, and their baby brother dies in it, and they have another girl named Grace. 
And why do you like it? Because they have another girl. Hi, my name is Quentin. I am seven and a half years old. I live in Boise, Idaho. And my favorite book is The Defenders. I like The Defenders because I think it's cool when the Indians fight the Americans. Hi, my name is Evan, and I'm 12 years old, and I live in Arizona. And I like The Incorrigible Children of Ashton Place because my mom reads it to me, and it is exciting, and it has a lot of mystery. What's your name? Cray. And how old are you, Cray? Five. Where do you live? Iowa. And what's your favorite book? The Boxcar Children. And why do you like The Boxcar Children? Because I like it when they found the boxcar and they fixed it all up. What's your name? <laughs> Kip. And how old are you, Kip? Three. You're three. And where do you live? Iowa. Iowa. And what's your favorite book? <laughs> the Circus Ship. The Circus Ship. And why do you like The Circus Ship? It has good pictures. It has good pictures. My name is Levi. I'm awesome. My age is eight. I live in Lampasas, Texas. My favorite book is Percy Jackson because there is a lot of fighting and Grover is funny. My name is Josiah. I am 11. I live in Lampasas, Texas. My favorite book read aloud to me was Echo because there's three different stories all connected in one with the harmonica. Hi, my name is Lydia. I am seven years old. I live in Yakima, Washington. My favorite books is Goldilocks and the Three Dinosaurs by Mo Willems. I like it because the dinosaurs try to catch Goldilocks, but she realizes and escapes. I also like it because it is funny. Hi, I'm Millie. I'm six years old. I live in Yakima, Washington, and my favorite book is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I like it because Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy play hide-and-seek, and Lucy goes into the wardrobe to hide. Then she goes into Narnia like this. I like the adventures, too. Hi, I am Rosie. I'm four. I live in Washington, and my favorite book it's Little Wolf's first Halloween because he howls funny and sometimes he says skip, scop, scooter, doo, and his dad helps him and then the dad get, does it funny. All right. Thank you very much, kids. I love listening to the books that you're loving. If your kids would like to leave a message to be aired on the Read Aloud Revival, head to readaloudrevival.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and that is where you will find the button to leave a message. It's really very simple. We love getting those messages. If you have not yet, you definitely want to grab the free Read Aloud Revival book list. And if you haven't done it yet, what you waiting for? (laughs) It is a really great book list. We spend a lot of time curating the best books we can find. We even include a monthly picture book list for every month of the year. So your library trips can be really simple and wonderful every time you go, no matter what month it is. You get the whole thing by going to readaloudrevival.com and popping your email in there. Or if you're on the go, do this instead. Just text the word books 
to the number 345345. That's the word books and send it to the number 345345. We will send you the book list along with some other fun surprises. And yeah, that's it. You know what? I'm going to call it a day here today, but we're going to be back next week with episode 89. I know you're going to love it. Can't wait to share it with you. It'll be out next Tuesday. But between now and then, I hope you go make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Thank you.